ADL attacks VT and author E. Michael Jones in feeble attempt to anti-Semite cancel intelligent discourse. What is the ADL hiding? Why limit the discourse? What are they afraid of? Join me as I speak with the number three top canceled man on the ADL internets, renowned author E. Michael Jones, as we discussed Zionist influence in America, the history of anti-Semitism, and the ADL's overreach into censorship. Right here, right now, on VT Radio. Let's go. With host Johnny Punish. Hello, and we're on VT Radio with E. Michael Jones. Mr. Jones, how are you today? Good. Good to be Good. here. So glad to have you, sir. Um, you know, I was looking up your uh, biography, and I noticed one thing that we have in common, that the ADL absolutely hates us. Uh, I've read your bio on the ADL website, and of course, they don't like VT at all. They call us anti-Semites. So I want to talk to you today about how do you deal with that, and what's your perspective on that? Good, good. It's a relevant topic uh, because uh, when Elon Musk uh, bought Twitter, he he uh, basically uh, destroyed uh, the two pillars of uh, Jewish domination of discourse. Uh, he there was a guy there by the name of Yoel Roth who was in charge of safety and transparency, and apparently he was responsible for the fact that number one, Twitter was flooded with pornography which is a, Jew, a form of Jewish psychological warfare, and number two, uh, hate speech. Uh, when uh, Trump came, when Roth left, the pornography disappeared, and I was granted amnesty. Uh, that lasted for about two weeks, and now the ADL is back on my case again, uh, and uh, I was uh, uh, cited uh, for uh, somebody objected to what I said. Uh, so... We're in the middle of a battle right now. The the uh, forward I, I uh, forward Jewish uh, newspaper just published an article talking about anti semites on Twitter, and I'm number three. I, I I didn't see your name, so I'm sorry you didn't make the list. <laughs> yes, but it's well, not uh, my fault. Complain to the ADL. It's a prestigious list. I, I take it. <laughs> well, the, the group the group is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, the group of the, the, we're suddenly wear, we're wearing out the term anti-Semite here. Uh, we, we just had that recent uh, issue with uh, 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 Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. The ADL uh, is overplayed its hand considerably. They they uh, wrecked one of their best operations, which is the Black Jewish Alliance, which has been in effect for over a hundred years now. Uh, started with the founding of the NAACP. The NBA was a crucial factor in that. If you remember Black Lives Matter, the ADL, uh, it was a black Jewish operation. And the NBA was a crucial propaganda front for uh, Black Lives Matter. So uh, it's in flux right now. We're in the middle of a battle. You know, as, as uh, Ho Chi Minh said about the French Revolution, it's too soon to tell. Right. You know, as you probably know, uh, the ADLs hammered the heck out of VT over the years. Uh, obviously, on Wikipedia, we're referred to as anti-Semites, anti-Semitism. And I just laugh at that. I, I, I don't know, have a response. I don't know what to say because it is so silly and ridiculous because we, we seek truth and we, we discuss the issues that automatically we're, as they call it, anti-Semite. Uh, Mr. Jones, uh, I, my mom is from Palestine. Uh, she's Arab. 
Arab Christian from Palestine, from Haifa, 1939. Uh, all Arabs are Semites. So I take offense to this, even to this term, Semite. Uh, it's, it seems like maybe anti-Jewish is a term, but anti-Semite? What are you saying? 300 million Arabs are anti-themselves? I, I don't know what you're, I don't know what that means, and it's very confusing to me. So, could you explain the history to me, uh, as you know it, of the history of anti-Semitism and the use of that phrase in America? Right. Well, it began in, in Germany. There was a man by the name of Wilhelm Marr. Uh, he was a revolutionary. He was uh, took part in the revolution of 1848 in Hamburg. Uh, during the course of that revolution, the Jews betrayed the revolution. He, he became furious at that and uh, wanted some way of dealing with it. Another man uh, in the similar situation was Richard Wagner. He was also a participant in the revolution of 1848. He also felt the Jews had betrayed the revolution. So Marr wrote a book called Der Sieg der Judentums über das Germanentums, The Victory of Jewishness over Germanness, or something like that, uh, in which he coined the term anti-Semitism. Now, he, there had, this word hadn't existed before that time. We're talking about 1871 now. It hadn't existed, and it had an exclusively racial meaning. In other words, this, we were talking now, Marr was influenced by uh, biological determinism, by Darwinism. That was in the air in the 1870s, and he decided he didn't want to use religious terminology anymore because up till this time, all of the terminology in dealing with Jews was religious, one way or the other. They had betrayed, they had killed Christ. That was all that narrative. He didn't want that narrative, and he created the term anti-Semitism. And over this period of time, so in the beginning, it meant biological determinism. Well, this is completely irrelevant now, because first of all, you're a Semite, but right. the, the Jews are not. They are a Turkic people. They come from uh, 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 basically the, Ash the Ashkenazi are descended from the Khazars, which were a Turkic tribe north of the, of the Black Sea. So they're not Semites. So that's significant for the founding of the state of Israel because they claim that they, they can trace their ancestry back to Moses. This is also a religious argument as well. Uh, as Christians, we read the uh, Gospel of St. John, and there's this big debate between the Jews and Jesus Christ. And the Jews are claiming they're the children of Moses because they have special DNA. And Jesus Christ just kind of laughs at this and says, no, it's not your DNA. God doesn't need your DNA. It's if you accept me as the Messiah, then you're a true child of Moses. So the Christians are the true, true children of Moses, and the Jews are the people who uh, are, are liars, and they're the synagogue of Satan. Now, this is, this is the Christian critique. It's got nothing to do with biology. All of the people in Jerusalem had the same DNA at the time of the crucifixion. They didn't all call for Christ's crucifixion. It's got nothing to do with DNA. You can't understand this battle if you're talking in terms of biological determinism. That's why I wrote the book called The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, to clarify this issue. Because it's, a, it's an attack on Logos. Jesus Christ is the Logos incarnate. They kill Jesus Christ. When you attack the Logos, you become a revolutionary. They chose Barabbas. That's what they've been ever since this time. That's the story. That's the history here. And, and, and how did it fast forward to America? Come, obviously, the German was quoted as anti-Semitism. Anti how did it fast forward to America? And how did it get so deep? where Americans can't even discuss 
the issue of bigotry or racism uh, without labeling people anti-Semite that they don't agree with. Where do we, how did we get to that transition? Well, uh, the main, so you had a large number of Jews who came over here from Russia. It was the Western border of Russia because they used to be in Poland, but Poland got uh, dismembered. Uh, and so they came over here in the 1880s, 1890s, because uh, the Jewish revolutionaries, uh, the communists, Narodnaya the Jewish terrorist organization, murdered the czar. And there's a reaction, so the Jews are leaving, they come over here, and they immediately start getting involved in theft, theft of technology, uh, film technology. They set up uh, Hollywood, uh, and now uh, they also start getting involved in organizations. Uh, and that's specific. So the first organization uh, was the NAACP. This is the Black Jewish Alliance. They got involved uh, in 1909 trying to create the black population as proxy warriors for Jewish revolutionaries. That was the start. And then in 1914, um, Leo Frank was lynched after being convicted of murdering and raping a 13-year-old girl who worked in his pencil factory by the name of Mary Fagan. The reaction was enormous at that point on the part of the Jews, and that's when the ADL came into existence. And over this period of time, you combine uh, organizations like the ADL, you combine Jewish involvement in criminal behavior like casinos, like usury, uh, you combine that with Hollywood's ever-growing power over controlling the way Americans think, and you get to the point where they have a veto power over everybody's discourse. So Kanye West found out if you say something, uh, first of all, let's define anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is anything Jews don't like. It's anything Jews don't like. It's the only meaningful statement here. And so if you say something that Jews don't like, there are organizations like the ADL that can destroy you. And this is what we saw with Kanye West. This was one of the most successful operations, the Black Jewish Alliance, and Jonathan Greenblatt wrecked it with the blacks by overplaying his hand. So Kanye, Kanye should have jumped in and said, look, I lost a billion dollars in 48 hours. Who gave these people this power to wreck your life? They can, it's not just me. They can do it to anybody out there. If you say anything the Jews don't like, they have the power to destroy you. Now, I'm saying no one should have this power in America. We have, no, we have a constitution that protects us against government overreach, but we have nothing that protects us against this type of terrorist organization uh, and its control over the internet right now. Something has to happen here. We have to be able to say that we have First Amendment rights when it comes to things like deplatforming and stuff like that. They have to be nationalized, brought into the con conformity with the Constitution of the United States of America. Are you suggesting that we should have an amendment to the Constitution to cover this? Usually, uh, I, uh, usually it's court cases that establish precedents. And, and the, the issue here is new technology. So whenever there's a new technology, the legal system is caught unawares. So the, the classic example would have been railroads in the 19th century. Do the railroads get to charge you whatever they want? Are they a utility? Are they privately owned? Is there any type of 
got regulation for the common good over railroads? Well, yeah, there were. And we had a long battle over railroads, of trust, and things like that. We have to have the same battle right now over the Internet. New technology. It's, they, get, they have it both ways now. It, it's, it, it, they are collaborating with the FBI, okay? But when you try and bring them in line with the First Amendment, they say, no, we're a private operation. This is what Elon Musk exposed when he took over Twitter. All those files got released. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, here at VT, uh, I had a conversation with a guy uh, who wanted to participate with VT, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, but I can't talk to you because you're an anti-Semite. I, re- I read it on Wikipedia. I'm like, oh. And then you go to Wikipedia, and it says nothing nothing about us. It says everything about the ADL and how they're condemning us and the the poverty, Southern law, poverty centers condemning right. us as anti-Semite. I'm like, what? this is so ridiculous. I mean, we're pro-peace. We're pro-humanity. Uh, because we criticize the state of Israel and their policies uh, and the inhumanity of the Gaza and uh, the West Bank, uh, we're labeled anti-Semite. It's right. absolutely insulting, and I take the extreme offense to it. And uh, so it's just it, it's unbelievable. I want to know how you deal with it personally. Do you just ignore them? Do you address them uh, directly? Do you call Wikipedia? What do you do? No, you can't call Wikipedia. First of all, th- thank you for getting me off Wikipedia. It was all lies anyway about me. <laughs> it was all character. So they did me a favor by kicking me off Wikipedia. Right. But uh, if people uh, raise the question, like at a, I'm giving a lecture and say, well, I read that you're an anti-Semite. And I say, well, I don't know what that means. Nobody can define the term. Okay. But I have a question for you. Now, this sure. is this spe- specifically about me. Uh, as as a Catholic, I'll tell you the situation that I'm in as a Catholic. Some guy will go to uh, his pastor and say, I think this guy, E. Michael Jones, uh, is a great writer, and we should invite him to our parish to give a speech. Do you know what that pastor will do? What is the first thing he will do? He will go on Google and Google my name. Right. And then the first thing that comes up on Google is going to be the ADL website. Right. Well, who gave these people the right to, to say whether I'm a Catholic in good standing or not? This is the crisis. So I'm going to say uh, specifically in my situation, I'm going to, if I ever got a chance to talk to the pastor, I'd say, look, I have a question for you. Is it a sin to criticize Jews? What's the answer to that? Yes or no? Right. If it's yes, then you explain to me how Jesus Christ committed a sin because he criticized Jews. And if it's no, then why are we making a big deal out of it? This is the question, the fundamental question we have to ask. And then after we ask that question, then we have to say, who gave these people the power to wreck your life? I, I, I'm, I'm just one of the unfortunate people who crossed them. You have this danger. This danger in your life, Kanye West was an example of it. If you say something that Jews don't like, they have a they have the ability to destroy you. No one should have that power. No one should have that power. Incredible. Now, in terms of the current influence of the, the Jewish influence in America, specifically Hollywood, what is the status of that right now? Where are we today in 2023? Okay, so let's take a step back. Hollywood became a problem in America during the 1920s. Everyone was outraged at the fact that they were constantly pushing the envelope, promoting nudity, blasphemy, ridicule of the clergy. Catholic Church stepped forward. The Protestants failed. 
Catholic Church stepped forward and they imposed the production code on Hollywood. That's the Hayes 19, Code, right? 19, no, no. Hayes failed. Okay, Hayes, Hayes failed. failed. This is the production code. That was the Protestant operation that failed. The production code was a Catholic operation and it was based on the Legion of Decency. And they basically threatened a boycott. And they actually instituted a boycott in Philadelphia. So uh, Warner Brothers was losing $100,000 a week in Philadelphia. And that's real money. That's depression money. So this is serious. It was going to spread. They caved in. They implemented the production code. So for 31 years, Hollywood did not do nudity. It didn't do blasphemy. It didn't do any of these things. Right. And then the Jews broke the code in 1965. Okay. And that basically unleashed the floodgates. First of all, I did, I have a book on this. It's called John Cardinal Crow and the Cultural Revolution. I have the inside story of how they, they broke it. And basically, the Catholics were telling him, look, uh, it's going to, you're open, you're going to open the door to pornography. And the Jews kept saying, no, no, it's going to be art. It'll be blah, blah. Well, it was pornography within seven years. The Jews are the prime promoters of pornography. They are the prime promoters of sexual deviance in this country. And in 65, the Catholic Church simply ran up the white flag and, and surrendered. And they've been missing in action ever since. And the result is the ferocious spread of pornography as a form of social control of the sort I just mentioned on, on Twitter. You, you type in hijab. Now that's, you know, say you're some Muslim girl who wants to do a term paper on what's happening in Iran, the big hijab crisis. You type in hashtag hijab, you get nothing but pornography, nothing. This is warfare. This is psychological warfare. This is not information. This is not free speech. This is not any of those things. It's psychological warfare. And we have to respond in kind by saying, Hollywood, uh, we're not going to put up with this. Now, the people have been voting with their feet. And Hollywood is doing its best to destroy its own operation. So we did a, a long article on Disney uh, and that whole battle, how the Jews took over Disney and how they're using that name uh, to promote gender ideology right now. That's that's where it has. There's a, a bigger element here. God's control of history. Hegel called it cunning of reason. The Jews are always overplaying their hand. And Disney is a classic example. They're turning out crap that nobody wants to see anymore. And they're ruining their own operation. Same thing with the ADL. They always overplay their hand. They create a, a reaction to the thing that they're doing that basically undermines their intentions. So that's where it stands right now. I have a question for you. Uh, the Jewish people as a whole, there's about 40 million Jews around the world, people that uh, worship Judaism. It's approximately that number. Is that correct? Am I close? I, I'll accept your number. I don't have a okay. clear figure. I've heard, I've heard 35, 40 million around the world. There's 8 billion of us on planet Earth, right? So that's a whole lot of people. As a percentage of the world's population, it's very, very small. But yet, in terms of finance... And in Hollywood, they're predominant, right? I mean, if you look at every right. Hollywood movie, you'll yes. see directed by a, a person who's Jewish. Not every, uh, not every movie, not everything, but clearly they're in positions of power, obviously. Same right. thing in the finance industry. Question for you. How did that happen? How did they get there? Was it a conspiracy or was it some sort of social issue that maybe 500 years in Europe pushed them or pushed to being uh, the families teaching their kids, hey, don't go into, don't be a mechanic. 
go, you know, obviously Gentiles would say, go be a mechanic, right? We, this is kind of common knowledge. Did they say to them, go be a doctor, go be a Hollywood director, go be a finance guy? W- what is it you know about the cultural uh, influences of the families that were Jewish and how did they get into these industries? Okay, so the, the father of Jewish historiography is a man by the name of Heinrich Graetz. He was a German Jew. He wrote his history of the Jews in the 19th century. And he said the only thing that Polish Jews learned by studying the Talmud was how to cheat the Goyim. Now, that's the father of Jewish historiography saying that. And I think there's that, that's a, a crucial, you have to understand that. He was right. He was right. So let's talk specifically about uh, how you take over. What is what is the entry to higher education? What I'm, I'm talking about my generation. Uh, I was born in 48. I started college in 66. What got you? What was the most important thing in your life? It was taking the SATs, mm-hmm. right? The college right. boards. Well, there was a guy in Brooklyn by the name of Kaplan who started a prep course for the SATs. Now, the dumb Goyim in Princeton who created the test never changed their questions. Now, this is a kind of a naivete that you find among certain people, uh, academics, uh, so on and so forth. The result was that um, Kaplan would invite all of the, it's all Jews who were taking his course, it's Brooklyn, it's a Jewish operation. Whenever they took uh, the test, he would invite them back for a party to celebrate their taking the test. And in order to get into the party, you ha- he, they had to tell Kaplan one question on the SAT. Well, within two years, Kaplan knew every single answer on the SAT. And everybody who went to his prep course got eight, 1,600 on their SATs, and that got them into Harvard. And over this period of time, they took over Harvard. Harvard is now a Jewish university. My son went to Harvard. He got in there in 1992. My oldest son got into Harvard. Uh, And they were discussing that then. Like, are the Jews running? Well, that's 30 years ago now. It's gotten much worse. The Jews have totally taken over the university, and they did it by cheating. Well, you extrapolate that to, let's say, finance. What happened to usury? let's, Let's be more specific. What happened to gambling? Do you remember gambling was a crime? I remember when sure. gambling was a crime. Sure. Why is why is gambling not a crime now? Nowhere. Well, ask Mo Dalitz. Mo Dalitz was a Jewish criminal. He ran the Jewish Navy in Cleveland. Uh, he was in Cincinnati, uh, Covington, right across from Cincinnati. Got in trouble. He got driven out. He went to Las Vegas. In 1984, the ADL gave Mo Dalitz it's Torches of Liberty Award. Now, I'm sure it was because money changed hands, but you have a combination of the money you can get get from gambling combined with the enforcement arm that you have with the ADL coming together with this award. So Mo Dallas is legit. Uh, The ADL becomes a, a, a money laundering operation and the world changes. So now gambling is legal. How did that happen? Well, because the Jews have enough money to buy up politicians, uh, and that's what happened. Dan Gilbert uh, is the biggest man, biggest man in Ohio, right? No, Michigan. Mich- Wait a minute, that's this is Quicken Loans is bigger than General Motors. 
Well, yeah. what's that mean? How do you think that happened? This is the way the Jews take over your culture. Funny you should mention them. I got hammered by Quicken uh, Intuit, right? In the company called Intuit, right? That's the name Quicken. Uh, they sent me a letter that they could never advertise with us because we're anti-Semitic. Yeah, well, like, thank you. Yeah, Keep I was your like, money. okay, thanks a lot. You know, Keep your money. I don't want, I don't yeah. want your money anyway. Yeah. But I'm saying if you ask me. They're a big me, company, right? They're huge, right? I mean. Well, what happened? What happened over this period of time? Look at Detroit. Who was the, ma the man who made Detroit? Henry Ford. Well, guess what he is now? And why is he? He was uh, in the 1920s. He published the International Jew in the Dearborn Independent to warn this country about the rise of Jewish influence. And he's been demonized. He's been ignored. And now manufacturing, which was the backbone of prosperity in the United States, takes a second place. It finishes a distant second to usury. And that's what's impoverishing this, impoverishing this country right now. So the average man gets poor because he doesn't have a decent job. The Jew gets rich through usury. And the first thing the Jew does when he gets rich through usury is buy up politicians. Sheldon Adelson, I was in Iran. I said, there are three reasons why you Iranians don't have a nuclear agreement. Sheldon Adelson, Paul Singer, and Bernard Marcus. Three rich Jews determine our foreign policy because they buy up politicians, including Donald Trump. Absolutely, of course. Absolutely. That's a given. There's no question about that. I said that for years, and I got hammered all the time about that, that I'm you know, overreaching, saying ridiculous stuff. When I say stuff like Zionism is one of the greatest organizations in the world in terms of efficiency, they're a small group of people. Uh, that control so much, and uh, you know they don't want to talk about that. They say that's not fair. That it is fair. It is totally fair. It's what's not. not what's Go not ahead, fair is the way we are being treated uh, on the internet. That's right. not fair. That's not fair. You can't have a discussion. You try to have a discussion, they immediately complain, and they want to ban you. They want to deplatform you. They want to ruin your life. This is not America. This is not the First Amendment. This is not the Constitution. This is an alien tyranny that has been imposed on all of us by a very small group of people. And the American people have to wake up to it. They have to unite and they have to rein in the power of these people to ruin your life. You know, I think the, uh, the Kanye West issue was an interesting data point for me where I saw some things switching, a little bit changing. Uh, that we can talk to some Americans about this issue and not them freaking out. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think maybe it's on. It's it's slowly changing. Maybe it's hard to say. What do you? What's your perspective on that? Is that a possibility, or are we doomed? It, it is changing. There's no question that it's changing. I, you know what the proof of this is? I'm on. I don't have a television. I never had a television, but I go. And I'm lifting weights at the gym, and there are televisions all over the place. This is local TV in South Bend where the ads are shyster lawyers and people who will, you know, put an addition on your house and stuff like no that. No integrity, zero integrity. No, no I'm, not, I'm not saying some of these, they, they could be honest people too. It's just, it's a local audience. So mm. what's the next commercial? A, a commercial on anti-Semitism. What are you talking about? I know the people in South Bend. There's one guy in South Bend who is responsible for this. It's me. 
So why are you doing broadcasting this on broad uh, public television? Not public television, local television, where the average level is really not high. They they watch sports. Uh, they watch Good Morning America. There's not a high level of consciousness here. And you're bringing in the idea that there's anti-Semitism. It's like, mommy, what's anti-Semitism? Uh, you're putting the thought in their mind and they're saying some people say this is uh, respectable discourse. You just put those two words together, anti-Semitism, respectable discourse. You put them together in the same commercial and this is going to have the exact opposite effect of what the geniuses at the ADL think it's going to have. Well, on that note, I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Jones, for appearing on VT Radio for your first time. I'm so happy to have you and have this discussion with you. Uh, tell us what's going on uh, for you this week and what's happening in terms of what, what are you talking about? What are you writing about? Uh, what's upcoming and any books you want to let us know to read? Yeah, I just wrote a book called The Dangers of Beauty. I've been doing book tours uh, across the country. You can get this at uh, if you go to culturewars.com. You can buy that book. I just gave lectures in uh, Evansville on uh, my book, Barren Metal, The History of Capitalism as the Conflict Between Labor and Usury. Just spoke in Cincinnati about the very, the Black Jewish Alliance. All of these things are available in book form, article form at culturewars.com. And what I, after just coming back to this, I think that there is a conscious, the consciousness is coming back to the Midwest. That we used to be the people that made things. We used to be the engine of prosperity here until Wall Street took us over and broke us. And now we're starting to understand uh, who's responsible and what we can do about it. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope we can get America back on track because that's an important thing to happen for everybody. So on that note, I want to say thank you for being on VT. Everybody uh, become a member of VT. Get your free VT cup. It's right there to all members that join. And I want to thank you again, Mr. Jones, for appearing on VT Radio. Have a terrific day. Thank you. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.